Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University, the university where you learn what is going on in pop culture and see what also life lessons you can learn from the situations that are going on with these celebrities. I'm your host, Patty Eminger. You may know me as Patty Pop Culture from TikTok. If it is your first time here, thank you so much for coming. Take a seat in the classroom wherever you would like. Everyone is welcome, even furries. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stan you. I'm in your fandom. I'm really excited to get into this episode. I kind of just want to jump right into it. The tea is so hot. You may want to be sitting down for all of this. Hide your kids. Hide your wife because shit is getting fucking real. Of course, we need to talk about the Balenciaga massive scandal that is taking one of the biggest luxury fashion houses completely down. Then we need to talk about a certain pop star who has really been flopping hard for many years but has made a massive comeback and it's actually so crazy. You're going to know exactly who I'm talking about and exactly what song right when we start the segment. And then we're going to talk about... Something that's going on with another kind of faded in the background pop star, Kesha. Some craziness behind her legal lawsuit that has kept her away from the public eye for so long. And it might answer your questions, where has Kesha been for such a long time? And lastly, we're going to finish out with talking about Billie Eilish and her questionable relationship with a 30-year-old man. And what she said about it that kind of makes me feel better about the whole situation. But before we get into everything, make sure you rate this podcast five-star on spotify and apple Podcasts. leave a cute little review i love reading them and then screenshot yourself listening to it post it to your instagram story and tag me and then if you post me on your story i will hit you up in your dms and we can be besties and dm all the time i do it for so many people um it helps push the podcast out there when you post let all your friends know let them see where you're getting all the tea from and without further ado welcome to pop culture university students take your motherfucking seats So you guys, I'm never buying Balenciaga again. <laughs> Not that I ever could afford it. <laughs> but for the sake of doing what's right, like I'm really taking one for the team here, I am now just never going to buy it again. I'm really denying myself of that luxury that I could have had, but I will no longer have. So you've probably seen on the internet these past few days that the major fashion house luxury brand Balenciaga, Balenciaga has really fucked up to the 10th degree. And everyone is calling for them to be completely canceled, wiped from the face of the earth. That double back BB logo needs to get out of our fucking sight because they're trash and disgusting. So this is what happened with Balenciaga. You you may be familiar with uh, Balenciaga from Kim Kardashian, never shutting up about it, always posting about her in Balenciaga. Nicole Kidman posting in Balenciaga. But I think Nicole should just focus on working with AMC and reminding, of, reminding us of the magic of movies because this is what Balenciaga did. So they posted their 2023 spring slash summer issue along with many campaigns for their new lines, their new accessories, whatever. They came out with a new fashion campaign and a couple of them are turning a lot of heads in the worst way. I'm talking like canceled, canceled. It's ir- it's irreversibly bad. So these, there was like this whole line of campaigns that they did. And it was a bunch of different photos of children. Three-year-old children. These kids who were cast for this, who were sought out, were three-year-old children. And it's them 
in rooms in a household where they're either sitting on a couch or standing on a bed or on a couch and they're just surrounded by a bunch of questionable items that make you think why is that why is a kid at the center of that the only thing a kid should be at the center of is a fucking tootsie pop after they find out how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie pop the world still doesn't know and the world still doesn't know why balenciaga did this so basically they were surrounded by a bunch of shit and they were all holding a stuffed animal and the stuffed animal was a bear but the bear was wearing bondage gear like of of course with all these freaky things these fashion designers do to get attention they're gonna now make stuffed animals sexualized and they put them in like leather harnesses leather whips spiky collars handcuffs like this is not like that would never fly at build a bear so why is it flying in this campaign like those were never options for accessories that i remember when i was at build-a-bear i still have my build-a-bear bear his name was teddy how fucking unoriginal was i how embarrassing anyway i should rename him what did chloe kardashian's kid name their cat yeah chloe kardashian's kid has a fucking cat it's a gray cat and they named her gray kitty kids are really like not creative anyway yeah they were holding a bondage bear and putting that with a child is just not only sexualizing the bear but also the child and i'm happy that i'm doing this on a podcast because i don't even want to show the photos it's gross but it goes even deeper than that the bear's eyes are ripped out ew this is Coraline shit the bear's eyes are ripped out and replaced with panda eyes like slanted oval like sharp oval shaped eyes and that is a symbol of i can't even say what it's like truly what it's a symbol of but forcing a a sexual act on a child that they don't want that's what it's a symbol of so people were going deeper after they saw this bear like what's going on and they found out that this whole campaign was basically a promotion for child pornography for cp is what i'll refer it to and all the details of it seem to be advertising that almost so also in the photos they're Basically, the kids are just on beds with a bunch of accessories around them that they're selling. But there's duct tape because we know Balenciaga loves duct tape. They love wrapping people up in that shit until they can't walk and look like there's a whole broomstick up their ass. So they love duct tape and they have their own Balenciaga duct tape that says Balenciaga on it. But in this photo shoot, they made the duct tape spell Balenciaga but have two A's. So it's B-A-A-L. And that's the part of the role that's facing us. So you just see something that says ball. And ball is known for being a demon that is known for possessing and traumatizing kids. The demon's name is ball. So why would they suddenly add an extra A for the first time ever if they weren't trying to refer to him? Then you zoom into the photos and you see there's kids' drawings in the background. Like you've seen the movie like The Conjuring or sinister the creepy young girl with bangs and buck teeth is always in her room drawing some weird demonic shit with her whole family getting murdered by a demon it's like those photos but it's showing a black demon that looks like ball and then there'll be a rainbow like a slinky like a rainbow slinky right next to it or another drawing with a rainbow and um like a rainbow is a symbol of like basically luring in kids unbeknownst to them they don't know what's going to happen because they're kids And then there's a bunch of white bunnies right under every rainbow. And the white bunny is supposed to represent an adult, powerful group who are all like cult-like and all together keep their secrets of having a fetish for children and satanic worshiping together. That's actually exactly symbolized in the movie Eyes Wide Shut. A white bunny is the symbol of that. The children are also in provocative poses. The kids look really like uncomfortable. They don't know what's going on, but it seems like they don't like what's going on only an awful stage parent would sign their kids up for something like this not saying that the parents knew at all but like britney spears and amanda Bynes' parents probably would because they're awful but anyway the whole thing is basically just a poster for the exploitation and sexualization of children but the biggest t is that in another one of these photos from this campaign there's a purse on like an office table and a bunch of papers are laid out and the papers right underneath the purse the balenciaga purse that's being advertised for their campaign There's a legal document right beneath it and you can see the words of the document and people have found out that it's a piece of a legal document from the 2008 United States versus Williams court decision. And basically what that court decision decided is that 
that law allowed some people to create or produce child pornography if it is considered art, as long as the children aren't directly participating in the act, which is kind of happening in that um, in these photo shoots. If you think about it, it's almost like they snuck that in there just to prepare if anyone wanted to give them backlash that they're allowed to do this and no one can sue them because apparently doing that is legal from what whatever constituted that it seems very fucked up um just another thing that is wrong with the legal system but there's also a child at a desk in these photos the child standing right behind it with her arms on it and you can see a piece of paper that says the metro management services which is a management company that is linked to a case where a lot of children went missing in the Washington area and people thought that they were associated or it could be held responsible for something. So people just, it just raised people's eyebrows, obviously, because if you're just selling purses and accessories from Balenciaga, why are kids in it? Why is all this symbolism in it? It seems to just make no sense. And it also seems like career suicide. Why would they do this? It's so obvious. The kids in the middle holding the bear right there. Obviously, if we get that image, we're, we're going to look for more. So people have found more all these things that I just said. So it's very interesting. When I first saw this and people were talking about it, I thought like maybe they were trying to raise awareness for children being sexualized. And that's why like the kids in the photos weren't necessarily participating in anything, but it was still very provocative and thought provoking. And maybe they just wanted to raise awareness and they put that legal document in there. They could have wanted that to be overturned or something. Like I was really just trying to make any sense of this because it made no sense. But then Balenciaga's apology came out and that theory was scrapped. Like they, they weren't trying to raise awareness because they were, they, in their apology, they basically said, Oh my God, we didn't mean to do this. And it's not our fault. It's the production company and the photographer who we hired to set this whole photo shoot and campaign up. It's their fault. Balenciaga didn't know that this was going to happen. It's the people who worked at the photo shoot. So they said, we sincerely apologize for any offense our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bag should have not been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign from all platforms. We apologize for displaying unsettling documents in our campaign. We take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating this set and including unapproved items for our spring 23 campaign photo shoots. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form. We stand for children, safety, and well-being. That's the weirdest response to this whole thing because it just makes me think, did they scramble and just think about who they can blame besides themselves? And even if they are blaming the photographer, that's really fucking embarrassing that they set up a whole campaign with all the products that you've worked on and are going to advertise and you don't even care how they're advertised or set up in the shoot. Something is just not adding up here at all. And it seems like a really shoddy, gaslighty, embarrassing response that no one really accepted so yeah they blame the production company and the photographer they're suing the photographer and the company for 25 million dollars for what being hired to make the campaign and putting out a campaign they thought was good with balenciaga's name on it that has now tarnished their name it's interesting and the photographer is known for his work of creating strange photos of kids like if there's some of them online the kids in his photos are always being like murdered or totally mutilated with their insides like spewing out or dancing with demons or really just level five creepy ass shit so they knew who they were hiring but here's the tea the production company said that's bullshit that's complete bullshit they said balenciaga's representatives a lot of their people were present at the photo shoot they set up all the shots they chose all the sets and they approved and even edited all of the photos like did you think you would get away with this did, did 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 they think the production company would just not say anything it's so weird to me then the photographer said um i'm not in the position to comment on balenciaga's choices but i must stress that i was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products nor the models nor the combination of the same so basically they're saying i did not choose any of this i was only solely requested to lit the given scene and take the shots according to my signature style yeah so 
the production company and photographer saying, mm, that's Balenciaga bullshit. The B in your brand now stands for bullshit. The double B's in your purses, bullshit, bullshit, back to back. It's just very interesting. So people are saying, why, why did Balenciaga do this? If they really did choose this, why? And they all they did was really like apologize. They they didn't even offer an explanation. So then I was thinking, I'm like, maybe they wanted to like low-key promote that fetish or try to normalize it or like spread the word of Satan or, you know, people's rumors about the Illuminati always trying to subliminally splur- spread words of Satan. I was like, maybe something like that is going on, some kind of conspiracy theory, evil shit. Or maybe they wanted to get people talking about them and their whole brand and knew any press is good press i guess and maybe they think they'll make more sales and they technically didn't like harm the child and they knew according to that law that they can't be sued or whatever and it seems like it's one of those two maybe they just wanted attention or something because they seem to have prepared for the backlash because they deleted their twitter two days before they posted this and they wiped their Instagram clean two days before they posted this almost like taking themselves out of any arena to take responsibility or see anyone's hate or spread bad attention to their pages like they just took themselves off the platform before as maybe like a guard or a shield the whole thing is very fishy to me um they posted a second apology let me see what they said so they said we'd like to address the controversy surrounding our recent ad campaigns we strongly condemn child abuse it was never our intent to include it in our narrative huh then whose was it the two separate ad campaigns in question reflect a series of grievous errors mm, false for which balenciaga has taken responsibility okay so now they're taking responsibility which is like really bad that they're admitting because those like those aren't errors bruh those are not errors Hmm. They say the responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone. So interesting that they're saying that. Why are they... Lies with Balenciaga alone? Uh, Yeah, so I guess now we just know that Balenciaga wants to subliminally put this out to people. They said, well, internal and external investigations are ongoing. We are taking the following actions. We are closely revising our organization and collective ways of working. We are reinforcing the structures around our creative process and validation steps. We want to ensure that this, we want to ensure that new control marks a pivot and will prevent this from happening again. We are laying the groundwork with organizations who specialize in child protection and aims at ending child abuse and exploitation. We want to learn from our mistakes and identify ways we can contribute. Balenciaga reiterates its sincere apology for the offense we may have caused and extends its apologies to talents and partners. This whole thing just makes me think they thought what they were doing was okay. So whoever in charge is like majorly fucked up. So anyway, I guess they took responsibility. They apologized, but didn't really explain what they were thinking. Very fucked up. People were wondering if Kim Kardashian and Nicole Kidman were going to respond and Kim finally did. They were really putting some pressure on her. She said, I've been quiet for the past few days, not because I haven't been disgusted and outraged by the recent Balenciaga campaigns, but because I wanted an opportunity to speak to their team to understand for myself how this could have happened. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology in speaking with them. I believe they truly understand the seriousness of the issue and will take the, ne- the necessary measures for this to never happen again. As for my future with Balenciaga, I am currently reevaluating my relationship with the brand, basing it off their willingness to accept accountability for something that should have never happened to begin with and the actions I'm expecting to see them take to protect children. I mean, good for Kim. I guess she is like, b- like believing them that they didn't mean for this to happen, but it is still their fault. I don't know. That's like unforgivable to me that no one knew that that was not okay. And that thought even crossed their mind because they they knew the items they were putting in the photo shoot with a kid. If you live in society and have a brain, you know that that's not okay. Nicole Kidman has not responded. People are kind of like pushing her to do so. But anyway, what can we learn from this whole disgusting mess? I think we can learn that we all deserve to hold people in our lives accountable to not just accept their apologies, but we are owed an explanation. If someone did something bad to you or showed you behavior that you do not agree with, It's okay for you to not only want to hear I'm sorry, but want to ask them like what possessed them to do that just for your own concern and your own benefit. Sorry doesn't cut it all the time. An apology could mean 
nothing and they're just apologizing because they got caught and that's what a lot of people think that Balenciaga is doing and the biggest thing here is that people want an explanation not just an apology and that can apply to our lives because as much as we can appreciate someone apologizing and it can be soothing to hear we also really need to hear an explanation to just realize what someone's thought process was and decide if we want to be a part of that thought process ever again or know them ever again and we just need to know intent and reasons to decide if we want to move forward with anyone in our lives A pop girl who unwillingly went into retirement because no one liked her music anymore has finally made a comeback. And she is one of the, dare I say, most iconic staples. And I think highly, um, like, in like people are inspired by her. She's highly inspirational. And people often want to take a little bit of notes from her. The woman who's made a comeback, her name is no her sign is no her number is no just kidding her name is megan trainer and she's finally made a massive comeback in music so i don't know if you know this about megan the trainer but she actually grew up always wanting to be a songwriter she would be in her little room writing little teeny bops on a notepad in her bed while watching spy kids in the background not knowing that the boy in spy kids would one day be her husband and she then convinced her parents to move her out to L.A. so she can pursue songwriting professionally. And she was actually so good, she got signed almost immediately. I think when she was still 18, when she got to L.A., and she would write um, songs for other artists. Songs that you are very familiar with, like Sledgehammer by Fifth Harmony, and a lot of songs for Rascal Flats and Ain't Your Mama by Jennifer Lopez, Road Less Traveled by Lauren Elena. And then she finally wrote a song called all about that bass, which is burned into all of our memories. And she wrote that song from such an authentic place that when she tried to shop it around the industry to see if anyone wanted to see it, to sing it, no one really wanted to sing it. They were like, oh my God, are you calling me fat? Like, I'm all about that bass. That's probably what some of them were thinking. Thank God we've progressed since then. But Megan the Trainer was like, fuck it, I'll just sing it myself because it just seemed to make sense for her. She could relate to it more than these other artists that she shopped it to could relate to it. And it just sounded very much what would become her staple style. That song broke so many records, became a diamond hit, which is very hard to do. Not everyone has that to their credit. That means it went over 10 times platinum, which is crazy. Um, and then she released her first album and it went number one with other doo-wop bops like Lips Are Moving and Dear Future Husband. Here's a few things you need to know if that album went number motherfucking one and she was only 21 still making out with Charlie Puth at the AMAs. Crazy. Fast forward a few years, 2016, the winning streak still hasn't peaked, you little dust ball. She was putting out her second album with singles like No and Me Too. And that album went number three. She won Best New Artist at the Grammys, which is a cursed award. So that may be why her career flopped for a bit. But things were looking good. And then after 2016, her career took a big halt. She was absent from the scene. She even said in an interview lately that she kind of stopped being recognized when she was in public in like 2016, which is so weird to me because how does someone so famous like disappear from public consciousness so fast? But she really was gone for a long time and she kind of felt bad about the whole thing she put out a bunch of singles in 2018 that were really fucking good that i still listen to all the time and don't feel any shame about because i just like them they all flopped she put out some singles in 2020 they flopped and then her third album that she put out in 2020 only made it to number 25 as the debut and then quickly fell off the chart completely people were hating on her saying why should she even continue she got a lot of hate like People saying she only makes Christmas music, but for basically year round, which what does that even mean? That is, that is so not fair. Like she doesn't just make Christmas music. I get what they're saying with like the similar instruments, 
not Christmas music. How is that even an insult, though? People live and die for Christmas music in December. The same people saying that are the same people who play All I Want for Christmas is You 10 seconds into November 1st. People would also say she makes music for just like feral 12 year old girls and saying that basically all of her songs sound the exact same. It really looked like her career was dead and just no amount of resuscitation was going to make that happen again. And I really hated that because I loved Megan Trainer. I just felt so connected to her with All About That Bass. I grew up a plus sized boy. And when she sang, I'm bringing booty back, go ahead and tell them skinny bitches that. You best believe I walked up to every skinny bitch in my high school and said, you skinny bitch, booty is back in. I don't know. I just loved her. I just felt really attached to her because she was a pop diva in my like prime growing up phase. She just really was was there for me during the awkward stages. So I loved her and I, I would always stream her songs when she was trying to make a comeback, but it seems like she just never would. But finally in 2022, she made a comeback. There's so many artists who I'm dying to make comebacks, but I'm happy she actually did. And if you do know her song now made you look just kidding, you obviously do. It's the number one song on TikTok. If you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely on TikTok and you cannot escape that song. Her and Chris Olsen make 50 TikToks to it to a day. They're unrelentlessly hammering it into our heads. And honestly, I'm here for it. Play it again. Make another dance to it. Make another trend to it. I'll do them all. I love them. So TikTok has now boosted her career from the the depths of an abyss to now. She has the number one song on TikTok for over a month. I think that may be the longest rating number one on TikTok, which is basically these days like the Billboard charts. And she just climbed to number 24 on Billboard. She really isn't even, she hasn't even had an entry on Billboard for the four years prior. So now that she's in almost the top 20 is insane. She's number one on iTunes. Number one on iTunes. And she's challenging Taylor Swift for the number one spot on the UK chart. The British people love them some Megan Trainor. I guess. And they have some good ass taste. And it's just crazy that she's back like this. Like, is this 2014 again? Because she's really one of the most famous pop stars in the world right now. And I'm so happy for her. My favorite thing is to see an artist that you silently root for, like, finally make it big. Whether it's the first time they made it big or the second or like, you know, like a re debut for them almost. Like, I'm so happy that Megan made it big again because I was rooting for her from the sidelines and when you just see someone put out so much music that people don't respond to, but you know they have a passion for creating and there's a message that they're trying to share and it's what they love to do. It's so happy seeing them finally get their flowers. I feel like this has happened to other artists in the past who just have this undying love for music and they don't care if no one streams it. They're going to put it out like anyway. I think an example of that is Lizzo for sure. She lived in her car for 10 years and then finally Truth Hurts took off after she put out like 50 other songs. Katy Perry was kind of absent for a long time and then had a resurgence with Never Really Over. Kim Petras was trying for like a decade at this point. And then she finally got a number one hit, which is unholy that it was so great to see. Taylor Swift even had kind of a lower, uh, just like a lower success era with Lover. Not that that album wasn't massive, but you know what I mean. Compared to other Taylor moments, Taylor's super hard on herself about success and everything. She cried when Reputation didn't get nominated for Album of the Year, but she just kept creating. And then she put out Folklore and it won the Album of the Year. So I love the message of whatever you're passionate about, don't let anyone's critical response or flimsy opinion dictate if you're going to keep going or not if you're just so passionate about that you live and breathe it just keep going and i think taylor really expresses that in this speech that she gave uh, but you know i've learned that the difference between those who can continue to create in that climate usually comes down to this who lets that scrutiny break them and who just keeps making art i've watched as one of my favorite artists of this decade lana del rey was ruthlessly criticized. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We have similar tastes. I like it. She was ruthlessly criticized in her early career, and then slowly but surely she turned into, in my opinion, the most influential artist in pop. 
Her vocal stylings, her lyrics, her aesthetics, they've been echoed and repurposed in every corner of music. And this year, her incredible album is nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys because she just kept making art. And that example should inspire all of us, that the only way forward is forward motion, that we shouldn't let obstacles like criticism slow down the creative forces that drive us. I can definitely echo what Taylor is saying there because obviously you guys know that I'm a TikToker and I have 3 million followers now. And I was like so excited when I first started making videos and people just really responded to the pop culture content. And I gained probably a million followers in the first year. And then after the first year, I totally stopped for like nine months. I was at the same follower count, even like losing a bit of followers for a long time. And it was so frustrating. I was trying a bunch of different things. People seemed to not be responding to what I used to put out, not following for things that I used to put out. And it really got me down and there was like a battle in my head just going on like what am I doing wrong and a lot of people would quit especially when it comes like influencing or a career that is not certain like there's no job security in like making music or influencing a lot of people would just quit and say like oh it's not made for them but I just had such like a passion for even this podcast and just everything that comes in line with influencing that I just kept going even if the follower count was still falling and then I don't really know what happened. Eventually people just started responding again. I switched a few things up for sure. And I just kept looking for what can I do to get people excited again, to get to follow again. And after trying a hundred different things, I gained another, another million followers in probably like five months earlier this year. So I went from 1 million to 2 million. And then I gained another million in probably just a month of just a span of two months. So I went from one to two to three after being at 1.1 million for like nine months straight, I shot up to 3 million in like seven months. And now I have even more opportunities. I went to the Billboard Awards and I'm just so happy I didn't quit when things got rough just because of my very thick passion for it. Kind of like Megan Trainer when no one was responding to what she was doing for a long time. She was born with the drive to be a songwriter. She was doing it since she was a teenager. So no matter what the critical opinion was at that time or if no one showed up for her she was going to show up for herself and i love that so what can we learn from megan turner's massive comeback after being left in the dust for so many years i think the strongest key to manifest your own success that i've definitely learned within myself is that the strongest way to manifest success and make sure success won't miss you is to pursue something that you're madly obsessed with and passionate about Because then come hell or high water, come any scrutiny or period of failure, simply due to the fact that you can't live without it and you live and die for it, you will be successful. And even if you're so amazing, the best at something, but you don't have passion for it, you won't be as successful as the person who has the most fiery passion for what they do. And I think deep down, like, you know what you're passionate about. You know what you get excited to talk about. You get excited to think about. You get excited to do. Even if it's something as simple as like making sandwiches. Like maybe your passion is making sandwiches or drawing with sidewalk chalk. It could literally be anything. But you know what your passion is. So I think even if you just start to do it on the side even a little, you're gonna most likely succeed in that because you just won't fucking stop. So yeah. Do something you're obsessed with in love. We all know and love Kesha, formerly known as Key Dollar Sign Ha, for her crack whore brand, brushing her teeth with a bottle of Jack and then waking up in a bathtub and supporting being a cannibal. Jeffrey Dahmer will always thank her for that. But she's been gone for a while from public view, partly due to her traumatizing past that she's gone through in the industry that is now being brought to light on Twitter this week because the hashtag free Kesha was the number one trend. Very similar to the Free Britney movement in its wording, but very different in its context. Not the same at all. 
and Kesha is not posting basically nude photos with just a little heart emoji covering her vagina on Instagram like Britney Spears is. Very different situations here. So Kesha, obviously we know she's had so many hits in the past. TikTok, clearly. That song clearly inspired the TikTok app. Um, Blow. Why did I think of Blow before the other ones? We Are Who We Are, Timber. Many hits. And she wrote and produced those alongside a very famous man, writer and producer in the industry. And his name is Dr. Luke. Now, Dr. Luke is one of the most known name, names behind the scenes in the music industry because he wrote songs like California Girls with Katy Perry, Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus, Circus, Britney Spears, Since You've Been Gone, Kelly Clarkson, Sugar, Maroon 5, The One That Got Away, Katy Perry, and TikTok with Kesha. So he's his name has been credited on these singers' biggest hits of their whole career. So there was one time where everyone was working with him. Everyone loved him. Then, as you may know or not, it came to light in 2014 that he sexually assaulted Kesha. He took advantage of his power in the industry. And one night at a party, I believe it was at Nicole, Nicole Richie's birthday party. Or Nicole someone. I don't know. It was at another famous woman in the industry's birthday party or something that she woke up in a bed the next day with clear signs of being roofied and then R-worded by someone who allegedly was Dr. Luke. Now, I have to say allegedly because what happened after. And the craziest part about all of this is that Kesha was already in a contract with Dr. Luke. So even after he SA'd her, she was stuck working with him, which is so disgusting and evil. Imagine your abuser getting paid when you release music. Absolutely horrible. She took him to court and tried to be freed from the contract, tried to expose what he did to her. But at the end of the day, he won for some reason. And then the free Kesha movement started. Her song Praying, which is iconic and should have won the Grammy. I'm st- I still remember that night wanting her to win the Grammy so fucking bad. And then they gave it to someone else who was not as good. I'm sorry. It should have gone to praying. Her song Praying is about him. I hope your soul is changing, changing. I hope you find your peace falling on your knees, praying. Very deep song. And like her best vocal performance, just such an iconic Kesha song. But it was about him. So obviously you would think people in the industry wouldn't want to work with him anymore, knowing that their peer and very respected artist Kesha went through that with him. But there actually is a few people who have worked with him recently because simply his power position and I guess his talent in the industry to give people hits. He's worked with people like Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj on Super Freaky Girl. He's credited on that song. Very disappointing. Saweetie, Saweetie for her song Tap In, Neo, and then Kim Petras, who I mentioned earlier in this podcast. Doja Cat actually cleared up some of the rumors that she was working with him. And she said, basically, they like she was signed to Sony or one of the branches of Sony, which is the music label that he works with, and said that he basically just put his name in the credits of her music that he really had no credit on. He didn't do anything. He just put his name there because he's a really shady businessman who knows how to squeeze more money if his name is just credited on things. She said... I don't think I need to work with him again. That was a quote from the Rolling Stones just a few years ago. And she has not since then. So we love Doja Cat for that. Still a few people work with them. But the biggest culprit people like to say is Kim Petras, who's finally famous. Her ass and her anus is finally famous for her song Unholy with Sam Smith. That is one of the undisputedly one of the biggest monster hits of the year. She keeps working with him, and then she actually just told people the other day that she isn't sorry for it. This has been something that's really haunted her whole career, because all of her songs up to this point basically have been produced in tandem with him. People have given her so much flack about it, not supporting other women, and they're like, girl, you haven't even gotten another hit. Like, you haven't even gotten one hit from him, so why do you even work with him in the first place? So the other day, Kim tweeted, get talented or good at anything, then talk to me. 
so unprovoked and feisty, Kim. Like, she wasn't even responding to anyone. She just said, get talented or good at anything. Then talk to me. I wish I could say that to some people. Someone responded and said, stop defending Dr. Luke first then, because she's always trolled with that comment. And then she finally responded and said, five million people work with him. Why y'all only coming at me? I have nothing to say or be ashamed of at all. Go away. What the fuck, Kim? What the fuck kind of response is that? Like, you finally get in the mainstream billboard charts, and then you you say that. Like, now is not the time to respond. At oil. And especially a response like that. I guess I agree with her saying other people work with him, so why are they only coming for her? Yeah. I, I, I agree. We should come for anyone who works with him, anyone who like willingly supports him but i don't agree with the part that says i have nothing to say or be ashamed of at all there's clearly a little bit to be ashamed of given dr luke actually did what he did kim pages earlier in life said that she's had a really positive experience with dr luke and she does not negate or dismiss the experience that others have suggested that they have experienced she can't really comment on that but she's had a good experience with dr luke But her saying that she's nothing to be ashamed of is very disappointing. She was getting dragged on Twitter all day and like kind of deservingly, right? Right class, kind of deservingly dragged because what kind of trash response is that? Some people's Twitter fingers are really dangerous. Twitter fingers could be as dangerous as an atomic bomb sometimes. Just ask DaBaby or Kanye West. So something we can learn from this is definitely calm your Twitter fingers. I used to tweet so much. I literally used to have like Kanye West moments where I tweet a million things at once. Don't go looking for them. I deleted them and they weren't problematic. They were just annoying. So calm your Twitter fingers. Don't, don't get excited. Work out your fingers doing something else. If you know what I'm saying. Ew. Anyway. The hashtag free Kesha was really trending all weekend because of this, because of what Miss Kim did. And Kesha responded, not really, she didn't put the hashtag free Kesha. She didn't acknowledge it directly, but she said, thank you. That's all the tweet said. And it got thousands and thousands of likes. So I'm glad people still support Kesha. I'm praying that she is completely free from that man or anyone who has fucked her over in the industry as any artist. So anyway, what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that you should support people where you would want to be supported. And it's just a lesson in sympathy and feeling like you mentally can put yourself in someone else's shoes and seeing a situation that you would love to be supported in. Because I've noticed in my life when I support people more, I I go to my way, especially now, as I've realized the importance of it to support people around you, I will like immensely support everyone around me. And I've noticed that I've gotten a lot of support back whenever I'm going through something because people just see that within you. They, they acknowledge and are so thankful for how you make them feel when they're going through a hard time. And you should really just treat people how you want to be treated when they're going through a rough time and not have a shitty response like Kim Pedras. You should do the opposite and think if I was in their shoes, how would I want someone to respond? So support people where you would want to be supported and then you will receive a lot of support back. I promise. Right, so Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish, do you like her new hairstyle? Very pin straight black, giving Chinese bangs with the bun up. I'm just kidding, it's not, but I like like the sleek black bangs. It's cute. She just did her Vanity Fair, like the same interview, however many years apart interview. It just came out, which is like my Super Bowl. I'm obsessed with that shit. I don't, I don't even know why. I just like seeing Billie Eilish change. The parasocial relationship building with that video is 
amazing. I kind of want to make one of those for myself, you know, ask myself the same question year after year. Maybe I'll do that. Anyway, she said in her interview some information about her new man, Jesse Rutherford. And class, if you remember, I, I have a lot of choice words to say about them. What I basically say is that, what is Billy, 20? And her man is 31? I would always say that, like, that is the worst age to have an age gap. Because if you are late teens, early 20s, you're probably just coming into the relationship world. There's a lot to be melded and manipulated within you that an older man who knows and remembers what it's like to be that age could take advantage of just because he sees the power imbalance, sees the ignorance within you. I support age gaps, but when it's between those two ages, I don't know if I love it. So I've been giving her some slack for it. Not that I don't love Billy. I think she can make her own decisions. Her brother Phineas said that as long as she's happy, he's happy. Like I'm on that same vibe, but the whole thing I'm just not obsessed with. I, I keep seeing TikToks this week of people saying that if you want an older man because of his money, that's fine. But if you want an older man because he's more mature, girl, girl, good fucking luck. And it takes you a second to realize that's not true. See, I wouldn't realize that that wasn't true because I'm still kind of like in my early 20s days and I still am convinced that older guys are just mature, but they're not. They're just better at manipulating because they have more experience. Evilly, evilly mature is what they are. Billy does make trauma music though, so I'm like, maybe she wants album of the year again, and that's why she's doing this. She just wants some more sad songs that people can trauma bond over. So good for her, get your bag. But she said something in her Vanity Fair interview that made me feel a lot better about the whole situation, and I was actually happy to hear. Shockingly, people on Twitter were not happy to hear this, but this is what she said. She said when she was asked about him. I'm really happy about it. I managed to get my way to a point in my life where I not only was known by a person that I thought was the hottest fucking fucker alive, but pulled his ass. I locked that motherfucker down. I love the way she like speaks. Just the eloquence, like Shakespeare could never. She said the hottest fucking fucker alive. I would like to be described as that. She said, I pulled his ass. (laughs) <laughs> i like her saying that she, that she pulled him it's almost like her using slang but in a way to like make fun of men when they say that they pulled a woman i hate when men say that but it's i i, I like it when she says it so yeah she apparently pursued him and was after him the whole time she was obsessed with him that makes me feel a little bit better that she initiated everything because they knew each other back when Billy was like 15. So it's just really creepy if he was waiting until she was old enough and not in a relationship to date her. I was scared of those predatory vibes, but seeing that Billy was maybe like it was the other way around, she was waiting until she was old enough. It makes me feel a little bit safer for her. Some people on Twitter, I saw a really viral quote tweet that said that that's really disappointing. I don't know. I mean, I think the other way around would have been bad if Jesse was like, oh, like, finally, I pulled her, the hottest fucking, fucking girl alive, waited until she's legal, and now she's mine. Like, I would have not liked if he gave that response, but since she did, I love that. They even went to an award show red carpet together. They were, like, wrapped in a blanket, trying to be very much ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. They did it better, but, like, it's fine. Like, they still looked cute on the red carpet. She never even used to, like, publicly announce relationships. So the fact that she's showing affection on a red carpet to someone shows just how much she likes him. So I'm happy that Billy's happy. And I guess I can, like, put the situation to rest for now. But if Jesse Rutherford tries anything, if we get a Dear John out of Billie Eilish, we will find him. He will be added to our name of our, our list of names with a red underlining. So good for Billy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me on Pop Culture University today. Uh, make sure you rate this podcast five star on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave a cute little review. Screenshot it. Tag me at Petty Pop Culture, at Petty Pop Culture, at Petty Pop Culture on Instagram. Do it. Um, today, I, I like honestly, this week, I've been having like the worst week of 2022 that I've had. I'm not even kidding. Like, I've just been really going through it for some reason just like mentally i'm not even gonna lie i wasn't even gonna make a podcast episode today because it was all just becoming too much like i couldn't even stop thinking about other things enough to like get 
the topics together and put it all together and everything. So I really almost didn't make one. But at one point I just decided like, you know what? A lot of people enjoy the podcast. I'm not doing anything else. It could take my mind off of things for a second. Why don't I just do it? And it did make me feel better sitting down to like make the episode today. So thank you guys for that. Um, even though you're not physically here with me, you're like here with me, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I have just been like so overwhelmed. It was like one of these weeks where I was just like stuck in my bed, like that kind of depression where you just don't even want to get out of bed. Just so much going on. And I'm like trying not to hide away from them. Like the problems that I'm having, I'm trying to like face them all head on. But when you're facing like everything head on, it's just like exhausting. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm going through right now, but I'm sure I'll feel better. I like made a few steps forward today and some of my situations so that's good and I know I won't be feeling like this forever and I'll let you guys know what's going on later I just don't feel like spilling it all right now um I hope you understand but I definitely will let you into like what was annoying me and everything but I'm gonna just try to like get through it and stay on my grind I think the only thing that got me to like still have a productive day like make a tiktok do my emails and work shit and then like go to the gym and make a podcast episode just because it's like a habit of mine at this point it would almost feel really weird if I didn't and it would just add more stress and I didn't want to like exacerbate the problem so that's really the only thing that like kept me going and I think it's okay to admit when you're like not feeling the best so that's why I'm confiding in y'all and saying I'm like not feeling okay right now I'm kind of just like struggling a bit but I know next week I'll be fine. The tides will have turned. It's not going to last forever. And any issue I'm facing right now, I can handle anything that comes my way. And it will just make me better and stronger. So, yeah. But thank you all so much for listening today. I love you. I stand you. I'm in your fandom. This is a Tuesday, Friday podcast. So make sure to tune in Friday tell your friends tell your friends friends tell your grandma's friends tell your dog's friends buy a blimp and put the podcast name on it do whatever you gotta do (laughs) but truly thank you all for listening i appreciate y'all and feel free to dm or anything and i will see you guys on friday for class on friday okay bye thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.